Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written, we can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule, and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hey everyone i'm tony hi this is bethany hey this is rachel hi i'm mike and i'm giuseppe today we'll be discussing crafting and tool proficiencies part two so I guess that was kind of one of the questions I, w- I was looking at. Some of these tool proficiencies, I don't want to say they're worthless because that's mean. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but I don't see a situation where someone's like, darn it, if only we had weaver's tools, everything would be different in this situation. Well, when you no. find yourself with nothing but a bunch of hairy men and no rope <gasps> at the bottom of a pit, you will wish oh. you had weaver's tools. Potter's tools are useless. No, no, I okay. want potter's tools. Potter's tools are the way to go. What are you talking about? When are you going to need <laughs> potter's tools? Po- Even the person writing the blurb for potter's tools needed some difficulty to figure out what to use it for. But I want to find the weak point in a ceramic object. It's a ceramic object. It's all breakable. <laughs> Just be Link and toss it on the ground. The weak point is that it's ceramic. No, no. Basically, yep. pottery tools make you the worst archaeologist ever, where you're like, sorry, guys, I only do pottery. So <laughs> if anything else comes up, any hieroglyphs, I got nothing. But show me the With shards. clay shards? I'm on it. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a really sad dcs for the example dcs because it's determined what a vessel held create a serviceable pot not even good just serviceable yeah 15 and DCs. find a weak point in a ceramic wait, object wait, which wait, is wait, a dc 20 potter's tool proficiency dc 15 make, a, make a pot serviceable <laughs> serviceable not even a good one the first day at one of those like freaking summer yeah, camps they sit pissed. you down in front of a pottery wheel and you make a serviceable pot as a child yes. like. yeah. six-year-olds make a serviceable pot and they talk about how fun it was to play with the clay yep. it's yeah. not a dc 15 check that's a dc 3 yeah so basically potter's tools make you a really crummy potter yeah like that's it and so i feel bad <laughs> it's really it is depressing. so depressing. I I have my head in my hands. I was instinctively <laughs> just, like, just hiding <laughs> from it? the sorrow of the situation. <laughs> I just I want to know why this didn't get scrapped. I feel like someone fought for it. They're like, no, people want to make pots. Okay, it's important. If they want to glow blow glass, they also want to make pots. And I'm like, oh gosh, no. Yeah, I, I was trying to look to see like what this seems like the worst. Smiths can make pots. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need that ceramic, all right? Not the metal, metal, metal. Holds. Well, you can't put metal in your D&D microwave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a big concern, you know. 
because that ceramic stuff, that's what's going to last unless it gets broken because it's ceramic. I can't, I can't stop laughing oh. about how bad these tools are. Yeah, you brought up the the glass blower or something, but if you look up, glass blowers can determine what a glass object once held. Yep. But it's a yeah. DC twenty. Yep. DC twenty. <laughs> it doesn't parallel at all. That's really difficult. Jeez, Louise! Like, yep. Yeah. I'm looking at all the glass blowers. So tool if it's stuff. shaped like a gravy boat, it probably and it's made of ceramic. You have to get a DC ten or higher <laughs> to determine that it held gravy well you know what that makes yep. sense though because like ceramic you actually things will, can bleed into it especially yep. older ceramic glass is not going to happen but in a sense i think what rachel's saying is glass floor makes you even worse than the potter well hold on what's <laughs> the what's the dc to make something serviceable out of glass it doesn't say there, you don't even there is one. no dc and i'm just looking at you can just identify a weakness in glass by spending one minute looking at it rather the than the weakness rolling a is DC that it's glass 20. <laughs> Why does it take you a minute to know that tempered glass, man? Yeah, this is a valuable skill. It's Pyrex. Oh my god! Wow, there's actually only two things listed. Any damage dealt to the object by striking a weak spot is doubled. Because it's but it's glass. For for those who don't have the glass blower's tool description in front of them, the only two listed activities are to identify a source of glass. And to determine what the glass object once held. <laughs> yep. How many sources of glass are there, though? They really? didn't even do the courtesy of telling you what it would take to make a lens, which yep. would actually be useful. Be useful. Yeah. So you can make there. fire. You can make you can make yourself one of those fancy one thousand GP looking glasses. Yep. <laughs> you could make yourself a, a, a spy like glass. a tele a spy glass if you went far enough, or a magnifying glass. No, that's that's not what this is about. This is about determining what the glass held. What about my novelty monocle? <laughs> I'm liking also under investigate that it mentions, you know, when you study an area, your knowledge of glass can aid you, but only if clues include broken glass or glass objects. Aha! There is broken glass here. He I came in through it. the no, window, no. I can tell, no, because the window uh-huh. is broken. There is it's ceramic like here. I'm no good. Oh, no. Sorry, I'm out. I'm out. Where's if only we had some potter's <laughs> tools. <laughs> yeah. So I think what we've determined is there's the useful skills, the interesting skill, you know, tools, and then there's the ones that are just utter garbage. Well, I wouldn't say they're utter gar- garbage. They're used for flavor. Special <laughs> special mention goes for jeweler's tools having the ability to roll <laughs> yep. arcana and determine the mystical properties of gems. And Giuseppe can- Whoa, whoa, guess. whoa, wait, wait, that's a thing? That's a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, my man. gosh. Giuseppe has a wonderful tale about this. <laughs> we rolled up a sir. bunch of gems in that um, Dwarven Ruin I was talking about. And everyone wanted to know, because I've already established that you can use gems for various rituals in my setting. Um, to store magic in or to transmute the gems into different things. Gems have a lot of magic associated with them. The fighter did not know what the gems did. I do not have did. proficiency in jeweler's tools. And the forge cleric's like, I know that they do stuff, but I'm not sure. Can I roll history? And I'm like, sure. You can even add your proficiency because um, you've got all these different tool proficiencies. And they don't necessarily apply. But you're a forge cleric. You're, 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 this is your thing. And he like rolls a two. So the result is that I say... Tell me what gems you want to know about. And meanwhile, I'm pulling up New Age websites and just reading the descriptions of the health benefits of various, you know, gems. If you rub them on you or wear them or ingest them. 
and there is there's a lot of uh they're all in on on the health benefits of jasper now (laughs) my fighter is carrying around a group of moss agates in case he comes across a field that is not growing any crops so he can just bury those jewels there because they promote plant growth there you go that's sort of sweet so you're a bunch of hippies uh, the fighter is my fighter super hippie. <laughs> the fighter You're found like, out that he was going to potentially be able to uh, drop by a druid's grove in the next area they're going through, and he, like Michael, stood up from the table and just said, "Everyone, get your stuff. We're going. <laughs> my people need me." Very excited to go back to the commune. So I guess Jewelers Tools could have been useful, Rachel, when your character is always trying to swipe any crystalline structures or gems yep. or if they're like in yep. any caves. But she has like a pick, so she just sort of wails on the wall until things yep. fall off. It's so yep. cool that you can just identify what the value is at a glance. Like having a rogue that has proficiency in Jewelers Tools must be great. And he's like, aha, 50 gold. Nice. Yeah, the like I'll is- take that one, that one, and that one. You can keep the rest. They're glass. Yeah. Like, wait, what? See, my character wouldn't even care, though, how much they're worth. Be like, are yeah. they sparkly? Shinies. How <laughs> shiny are they? On a scale the of one to shiny. Yeah. So I feel like we've talked about almost all of the tools at some point in this conversation. There's a few we haven't really, like, carpenter's tools. Tony sort of Mason's referred to. Tools. Wood carver's tools. Mason's Navigator's tools. tools. Navigator's sort of just the ocean cartographer, right? Yeah. <laughs> how about wood carving? <laughs> Yeah, wood carving, not Ooh. carpentry, wood carving. Wood carving. You can craft arrows with wood carving. We didn't really talk about Poisoner's Kit, but I mean... Well, that, that briefly mentioned, but... Yeah. But we should talk about Poisoner's Kit. I like a Poisoner's Kit, and a lot of characters get it. Yeah. Yeah, but poison... Poison is either and What's the polite like way to say that poison's or... hot garbage in 5th edition? It, no, that's, that's a pretty that's nice way to say it. Way. Yeah. I think it's more the idea of poison than how poison actually works, because I think, Tony, was it your game someone want, kept wanting to create poison? Well, okay, so basic poison costs like 100 gold or something like that, and you get three uses of it, and it just causes them to take the poison condition. Yeah, which is not good. <laughs> You're which like, is oh, disadvantage on sick. attack rolls, <laughs> and it's for a minute, but if they make the save, then nothing happens, and you spent 33 gold on one use. You spend so much money, like more money than like a commoner sees in months. Yep. Yeah. To give someone slight nausea. Yeah, yep. I want to give them at least salmonella or something. You like, know? I, like they don't even have the runs. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing that I'm concerned about with poisoners kit is, or with poisons in general, is that either they're super useless, like they are. Or they're just, like, game-breakingly well, powerful. Well, they break the HP. What, mechanic. you mean, like, purple worm venom? Oh, Tony's got a story there. Oh, boy, hit me. <laughs> oh, hold My on. body is ready. Wait, wait. Basic poison is a DC 10 constitution yes. saving. Yes. It's, it's literally... It is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and it costs 100 gold. And it yeah. does it 1d4 but... poison damage. Nice. But if you harvest your own purple worm venom... It's even worse. Okay, never mind. Never mind. I'm not gonna... It's bad. All right, so hit is me it, with this yeah. purple no, no, worm no, venom. You, you can go ahead. You can use the poison to coat one weapon or three yes. pieces of ammunition. Yep. That's what it was, yes. So it's not even necessarily three uses. Yeah. No, I, I think I was thinking of the, the three pieces of ammunition. Yeah, because I think that's what Oh, wait, I no, okay. Before. If you put it on a melee weapon, it's good for one minute. So every attack for one minute, you make them make the easiest save in the world or take 1d4 damage. Ha ha. Yeah. 
That'll really stick it to your enemies. And right. it actually doesn't apply the poison condition. So yeah. Oh, it's just the one. D4 it's just one d four poison damage. Yep. No condition. But still, I want. I oh, I want to hear purple worm venom. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, do I. yeah. Let's just. <laughs> I'm just in awe of how bad that is. Wow. Yeah. So in Out of the Abyss, there is a little side a side quest thing they can do while in Menzo Baranza, and they they go up to this uh, basically thug leader who has four different daggers, each coated in purple worm venom. And it, it doesn't say in the book, like, all that she can do, but I'm just like, yeah, she's going to just draw them, stab, drop, and stab, and just keep doing that. Just keep switching daggers. Worth noting, that's 8,000 gold worth of value. Yep. Yeah, she had four of these. <laughs> okay. And I was so, like, kill her before she uses them so we can save them. <laughs> well, the one the really bad area. thing was, uh, I think you got hit with one of these, Bethany. It was not great. And con save DC 19... And takes twelve d six poison damage. Oh, hey, it half was... on a save, which you won't make. And no, half on a success. Oh it boy, did not go well. I did not die. No, but dicey. you went from like full health to bloodied really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. But... And but she missed by throwing like one or two of the daggers. So the party now eat like two of the members of the party had a purple worm venom encoded dagger for a one use shot and they're like yeah we're gonna we're saving this for the big bad <laughs> yeah and it worked out so overall you're saying poisoner's kit it's only good if you get good poison and the book doesn't really give you good poison by default no the good one is the purple worm venom which you guys also harvested at one point oh boy well, yeah i mean what's the point of <laughs> that- killing a purple worm if you're not gonna get purple worm venom so there's something actually i kind of want to bring up that we've sort of addressed uh I think there's a desire not just for crafting in general from players, but to take advantage of the things they've killed. Yes. You know? Yes. Everyone wants to play Monster Hunter. And (laughs) I don't blame them. It's amazing. Yeah. Like in my game, they killed a dragon turtle and they're like, man, this dragon turtle leather is epic. Like, how much can we take? (laughs) How much can we take? What can we make out of it? How do we do that? And I feel like, as we've said before, the game doesn't really want you to do that or at least it doesn't want to tell you how to do that Ga- gaspar what are you wearing right now i'm wearing some vi- <laughs> oh what what was it the white spine yeah i'm wearing white spine chitin armor right now correct it's pretty good nice half plate <laughs> they had a big solo oh, encounter that just messed them up but they felt really good when they took this thing down about carving uh carving the gem out of it because it had a gem at its heart and then just taking its body and just harvesting it for parts the forge cleric has its spines all over his new plate mail the <laughs> fighter is literally wearing it as armor the it's chitin like it's and solid. they they like it they feel good about it <laughs> but okay this brings up we haven't really talked about cobbler's tools and i made fun of them earlier but hey. i think you could make some pretty epic shoes if with the right creature with yes. <laughs> i'm looking at you um leather boots made out of a blank dog <laughs> oh. Look, all I'm saying is cobblers don't sleep on them because cobbler's tools give you a benefit against exhaustion during travel. So, yep. you know, for the like six of us who use travel rules. Otherwise, you just Uber there. So, something we haven't talked about, but I wanted to. Uh, which ability score you use to make checks with these various different tools? Because it really doesn't tell you. And I think nope. I'm happy about that. I agree with that assessment. I think it should be incredibly flexible i'm biased i operate i I can't imagine running fifth edition without using the optional rule which didn't used to be optional used to be core 
that not even skills had assigned abilities. You would just pick a skill and then determine what ability check you used with it. And that's how I operate with non-skill proficiencies, with the tool proficiencies and everything, mm-hmm. and skills. I, I can't run the game without it. But I think if we're looking just by the books, it's good that there's not an ability score assigned because then you can have that flexibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. As we were talking about earlier, if you're going to you know, write a travel log, it could be intelligence or charisma Correct. based on what we were discussing. Yeah. Well, and even some of them, like it depends on what you're doing specifically. Like if going back to like the poisoner kits, if you're trying to identify, maybe that's an, like a survival. But if you're trying to create, that might be more dex based because you, you're being very careful or intelligence based. So those mm-hmm. are two different abilities or you know skills used to it because it's it's you're doing different things but with the same tool i mean that's what you wound up doing for for me when i was smithing also like i was trying to take apart some armor and then reforge it into a finer uh item so you wind up doing like one strength check for a particular aspect of the the skill and then one dex check for another one while still adding the proficiency yeah, that's because you'd been building up an excitement about crafting for a while. And I was like, all right, we're going to let you do it. Because I think that was what you had collected. Like, how much stuff had you collected? Tony was, has the bag so of holding. Much. So all he of just the would balls? like, he would just gather all everything and stuff it all in the sack. And then later was like, all right, here's what I've got. And would like roll out this inventory of, all right, I've got so many sets of this type of armor and this and shields and stuff. And what can I do with this? What can I take apart and how do I make that happen? Yep. How do I make my half plate for my fighter barbarian so I can still rage and get all those benefits? And you got there. Yeah. But yeah. I, th- I think it does make sense to have different checks for different things. I think it's a little tough, um, maybe if you're a new DM or you're a new player, to get a handle on mm. what am I actually doing? Definitely. Especially like if you're talking about crafting, because that's the one that keeps coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. Intelligence, wisdom, even strength. To actually do the crafting. If you're forging mm-hmm. something with Smith's tools, you need strength to swing the hammer and mold yep. the metal. Yep. You need wisdom because that's kind of always been the traditional crafting stat because you need the wisdom to know yeah. how everything right. kind of how. will fit and go together. And you need intelligence to know the plans. So would you say that you'd use dexterity for like glass blower's tools or jeweler's kit? I definitely would, but an argument could be made yeah. for wisdom yeah. because it's sort of folk knowledge. An argument could be made for intelligence because, no, there's very clear instructions and I have them memorized and I go by the book. I mean, wisdom used to manage profession checks back in 3.5, so there is an argument and a precedent for that. I guess I would have to say, as a DM, maybe I err on the nice side and I, I tend to go with the skill that the player character is good at. You know, if they're stronger, I figure that as... As a character, they would be using that, like where Tony's fighter was. Well, I think that's fair. Forging. Yeah, and of course he described it that way because yeah, I, think a lot I was of trying to, to make them. an point to in such a way that I was like, well, I'm trying to literally like beat this thing down into I am a, beating a more it malleable into form. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if I cut all of my cooking ingredients very aggressively and mash things <laughs> up, I can use strength. Is what I'm hearing. I don't know. Are you, you just... doing it with like finesse to make it dex or? Are you just like pulverizing it, like making it all? I take the hammer and bring it down. (laughs) Yeah, like it's just a lobster shell that I'm just crushing in a little bit. (laughs) For me, I'd say I differ um, based on the player's experience level to a large extent. Like for like Rachel, obviously has more experience with RPGs than than I do, so she's really comfortable as a player explaining what she's doing. Whereas a lot of 
new players are they want looking the at stat. this going. They're like, I have a stat that says I have this. What can I do? Can I? What can I do with can it? I, yeah. How do I use it? And I think it's the same with the, all the tool proficiencies where they'll be like, I have this thing. Like uh, one of our new players, she's a, I think I've told you guys about this. She's an assassin rogue because <clears throat> her first character I helped her build because that's a great first character. You get to feel mm-hmm. like you're amazing at assassinating and it's pretty <laughs> straightforward. But she's a performer, so she has a uh, proficiency with a musical instrument. And she was really excited about that, but she's like, okay, so I want to like do a performance with this instrument. Like, what does that mean? How do how I do? do I, how do I do that? Yep. Uh, mm. And I think the rules don't really provide a guide for that, so it's kind of up to the DM. Yeah, sort of it definitely is. The player through yep. that process. And uh, she's gotten way more into it now that she has a sense for it. And also, she literally can't have a bad performance now yeah. because she's a rogue. Nice. Yeah, so, that'll do. Minimum 21. Yeah. And, yeah. And actually, that, that kind of is really good because, like, this last week, I had my spring break camp, and I was I was playing in the game, but I was also pseudo-co-DMing with the student DM, who it was, like, her first time actually DMing. So she had a lot of problems where, like, you know, there's two other students, and they would just go off the rails, of course, because they're, like, one of the girls is, like, nine and all over the place. Um, and she's like, I want to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, and, you know, Emmy, the girl that was DMing, is like, I could totally have her do that, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then she'd like lean over and be like, okay, what kind of check is that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, she said she's going to be like dancing. So that's like acrobatics or performance. And she's like, okay. And she just, you know, then the, like, you know, lean over and tell the girl like that she had to do an acrobatics. So she was like trying to figure out, how to fit everything in so it was like the opposite of new players who were like i have these skills how do i use them and then we had the dm who was like they want to do this thing what skills do i apply Hmm. so it's always knowing what and where and dcs Mm -hmm. are hard (laughs) does kind of also get at the heart of who's calling for checks are the players Mm -hmm. suggesting their checks or is it up to the dm to actually be calling for every check and that's kind of a contentious topic among some tables. I am of the mind that I guess I don't really mind when players suggest a check, because we've been playing for like 10 years, the same group, more or less. Some people come mm-hmm. in, some people come out, but the core of it's been the same for a long time. So when someone proposes a check, it's probably what I was going to ask them for. But with a new group, I kind of set the expectation, you just tell me what you want to do in fiction. I will tell you what you need to roll. Um, and But unfortunately, that puts all of the onus on the DM to then educate these sort of contentious waters. Like, is that an is intelligence check or a wisdom check? Yeah, I guess I would say we kind of have a hybrid approach because we've got in our face-to-face game, well, actually in both of our games in the podcast too, a, a broad spectrum of experience levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd say we, for some checks, everyone knows when they want to make a perception check. Like, yeah. that's solid. It's when you get to more squirrely ones, like, I guess, investigation checks sometimes or other things that I think we, as a DM, I tend to let the players tell me what they're doing because they're all pretty actively engaged. I don't have to worry about them saying, oh, I thought you were waiting for me to ask if I was doing anything because typically they're all like, you know, raring to go. Maybe you used my trigger word because you you picked the worst example, which is the investigate check. Yeah. Because every player in the world tries to turn that into a perception check. Yes. And I have to crack down. We only have one. You know who it well, is we right only now. have one now. 
It was Chris. <laughs> what are you talking about? He would Rachel's never. husband. He would lobby every time. But could you not say because he's a monk? I was like, no. But he's he let that he let it go. But otherwise, I think we settled things out. It was mainly just an issue with traps. Yeah, yeah. I, we discussed this. They're very different skills in my mind. Yeah, so I, I cracked down on that one heavily. Um, yeah. But again, I often I ask for weird things. I just this last session, a lot of people were doing their own thing, trying to gather rumors. And all of the Gather Rumor checks were investigate, but they were doing them differently. Um, mm-hmm. The Bard was chatting people up and playing songs and just doing things. So it's investigate, but with charisma. Go. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Like, uh, the uh, Ranger is doing the same thing, trying to gather information about things going forward. Uh, but he was just running between job boards and just literally trying to find bounties and stuff to try to get information from that. And it's like... That's kind of just a normal investigation check, but uh, you want to get this all done quickly, do it uh, strength, because it's an athletics check, basically. But you do that. Go, go. Strength, strength investigate. Have fun. I drank. You drank. So I think, actually, I kind of maybe have a similar approach. I just brand it differently, which is I just wouldn't call it an investigation check anymore. I would just say... Well, if you're using charisma to do it, you're doing a persuasion check. And I think I do that not because it's necessarily the best way to do it, but because I'm training new players. Yeah, and that's and it, that's a fair approach. Yeah. I just like the idea that you're good at investigating, but the way you do it, you're not the same proficiency all the time. You know? mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you're not you're not a trained investigator. You don't have proficiency in investigation, but you're really charismatic, and that counts <laughs> for a lot. Yeah, yep. people like you. They want to tell you things. It's it's how they're able to use their skills to their advantage Correct. to get the same result. You know, but there's always the, um, you know, I, I think Castle's a perfect example because there's been a there's a couple scenes that pop right off my head. It's like supercut of all the cops doing the investigative work in um, the the precinct and cut mm-hmm. to uh, you know, Nathan Fillion sitting around the table with James Patterson actually there cameoing or something because he's hanging out with his writer buddies and (laughs) yeah he's just playing cards and talking about things and they're like we know all this information we're writers we're just going to shoot the you know figure it out um and they do and it's like that's still investigation but it's not intelligence (laughs) it's just Mm. he's crowdsourcing it it's charisma (laughs) it's it's charisma well, and I think kind of what we're sort of been talking around with all this with tool proficiencies and skills is really the thing that I think we all agree on is that players need to be able to have multiple ways to try to accomplish something. Other and than murder Hoboing. Yes, other than, other than just Hoboing. kill everything. I and like that option, though. <laughs> murder Hoboing is very satisfying. That can a be a necessary problem, option. It's because the rules don't support a non-murder hobo lifestyle. Yes. Right, yes, that's kind of where I was getting at, is I feel <laughs> like it's kind of up to the DM to make sure you're presenting these options, because I think otherwise a lot of people coming in just assume murder Hack hobo is the way to go. Yeah. yeah, the murder hobo, I didn't choose the murder hobo life. life. Yeah. The murder, <laughs> murder hobo life chose me. <laughs> and it's, you know what? It's a lot easier to DM. It is. <laughs> it, but it's not as satisfying. No. Oh, to mur- the murder hobo? Because then yes. you just keep feeding them monsters. Yeah, you just, you, you pull up Cobalt Fight Club, you hit generate, and you have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, fourth edition actually had that entire format. They had the dungeon deal format and encounters. Mm-hmm. So it came down to because the skill system is just that it's very straightforward. It, because it's usually just check versus like a DC or something. Yep, and mm-hmm. that's it. Then then the situation is resolved. 
like fourth edition kind of brought up like skill challenges as a potential, but we don't have that in fifth edition as written. So it's either uh, if the player wants to do something that isn't murder hoboing, you roll the check and you either succeed or fail. That's it. Well, and I guess in a sense, that's still what you're doing when you're fighting monsters, right? You're still rolling versus something and succeeding or failing. I think it's just making it feel meaningful and not just like it was a one-off, I rolled that one die and I spent all this time trying to do something and it worked or it didn't work. (laughs) In my mind, the skill system and the downtime system should at least offer a base level support for your character being a real human being with skills and interests aside from murdering things. Because every class boils down to what flavor of murder do you want? (laughs) Do you want to stab them? Incinerate them? Fireball. Or do you want to help your friends murder them? Yeah, pretty much. That's, that really is what, at the heart of it, I think most people understand the game to be. And how to kill. And of course, that's a big part of the adventuring life. But I think kind of what we've all brought up in our stories is, we all want so much more than that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You just, I want real characters. I think we're at questions. I think the only one you didn't really touch on was the very last one. The SDMU oh, allow a PC to train themselves in a proficiency. Not just yeah. yes, but heck yes. Well, the thing is, like, we were talking about it earlier. By the rules, 250 days. 250 And 250 days. gold. And 250 gold. Like, yeah. unless you're doing the- And again, that is eight hour days. Yeah, yep. that's that's a full time job. That like doing nothing but reading the Forger's Guide for Dummies, like right. I believe that's over the, and over again. That's the key and peel skit about how they're going to rob a bank. <laughs> 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 I guess our take is, especially for these really, uh, I was going to say dumb tool proficiencies. We'll say specific. No, we'll say we'll say dumb Potter's. We determined is just dumb. Like, why not? Pot. Why can't a, a player character learn some of this without it taking two hundred fifty days? How to make a pot. A serviceable pot. Why can't you ease your way in to skill proficiencies? That's something that I do a lot is Michael went through this. Michael's in the middle of trying to learn. He was talking about his fighter learning that pocket maneuver. Mm-hmm. So I do this with like things. And I also do it with skill proficiencies is you're going to learn. You're At some point, you're going to have to actually try to do things to get experience. <laughs> yeah. Which means you can use your proficiency bonus. You can make the rolls. Well, I've done it different ways. I've done it. You have to make these rolls, but you can't use a proficiency bonus. And then I've alternately done, you can use your proficiency bonus, but the DCs are going to be higher. And you're going to be met with partial successes, or there's going to be a failure chance or something. It's different for each tool proficiency. Like alchemy, there's a good failure chance thing there. Um, You know, doing something with, you know, a gaming set is probably just a harder DC. Uh, But you have to actually engage with the skill. And you can kind of ease into being able to use it until eventually the training wheels are all off. There's no more conditions on it. You just know it. Um, Uh And I think that's a much more elegant method in my mind. Yeah, that that makes it feel like it's part of the story and not just a thing that happened. Yeah, I know a thing I've done is just had... uh just they have no proficiency. So I've done the, the first method that you talked about where it's just like you don't have the proficiency, but if you practice this enough, if you try it enough, if you use it enough, eventually you'll get the proficiency bonus. Yeah, I just keep track, and I don't let them know. They just have to keep going until eventually they realize, wait, I'm doing it, and he's not bothering me about it anymore. (laughs) I'm really making pots, and they're so serviceable. They're so serviceable. (laughs) (laughs) All those serviceable pots. (laughs) 
I mean, there's there's also something to be said for just justifying it in fiction. Like uh, I know that on Critical Role, there's the cleric to the trick to the traveler, right? Yes. And yes. she in the most recent season. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't yes, know if sure. she has. I don't know if she has proficiency in uh, like painters' tools. I'm gonna guess yes. We'll talk about painting, but she but, also sketches. But she sketches a lot, yeah. Yeah, no. But what I'm thinking is, because uh, the justification is that she uses that and like paints a scene from the day for uh, communing with the god, and I could mm-hmm. imagine using something like that as narrative justification just for practice. eventually just yeah giving yeah. that, as opposed to saying. I'm going to spend eight days in from this potter's wheel. Guy, we have to go into, like, a dungeon. No, no, this no, This isn't guys. serviceable yet. It's not good enough. This is not a serviceable pot. That I is think- such a good example of a word choice being so important. Yep. Serviceable. <laughs> serviceable. Yeah. We're, all, yep. we're all, like, basically that just means it doesn't have holes in it and it could contain liquid, I assume. Like, just, it just gets the job done. Oh, man. Serviceable. There's a lot that goes into making a, a, a pot, okay? There's the kiln, there's there's tempering, there's actually playing with clay. Okay, but... Uh, no, but I feel like the word serviceable is going to become, like, a new insult word that we can use. Like, yeah, that's making its way into my lexicon. <laughs> you have... Like... You made a serviceable attack. <laughs> Am I ever going to use the arm again? It'll be serviceable. Oh, no! <laughs> so, my word for that has been competent up until now. Our languages non-tool proficiencies? Like, there seems to be very little support for gaining languages, and I know a lot of DMs just don't really use them. Oh! I've what done do you mean? it. You yes. s- wait, you you study 250 days and 250 gold, and you learn the language, right? Or, or Tony, you do what Rachel did in my game. Yes, yes. Wait, yep. You learn. You learn to speak. What was it? Giant. Giant. Yeah. Giant. I was gonna say ogre. <laughs> you learn to speak giant by hanging out with somebody else who speaks giant. Hi. Yeah, Talk so to me like a Goliath, it speaks giant, and Rachel's character's like, I want to expand my knowledge and learn giant. Is it a complex language? And I'm like, I, no. I, I don't Wait. think so. So what you're saying is, if I spend enough time in indulging in a foreign literature written <laughs> in a language that I don't quite understand. I'm going to learn a lot of interesting words. You're yep. right. So, so, for example, what what was it? Uh, in the burrows, the Duragard romance that you gave. Could I perhaps learn Undercommon? Because it has a side-by-side literal translation. What, you're saying it's like people who read Beowulf in real life, and they're like, oh yeah, I can read Old English now. Well, yeah. Middle like, English, you swine. Well, exactly, like on, <laughs> like on one page you have ye old English, and then on the other page you have the modern translation. Michael, if you get me into a topic about the thorn and how it was not actually pronounced ye... <laughs> No, no, let's not go down that road. We don't have time. No. There's no time. There's no time. <laughs> um, but I would, so for Rachel's character, since she's like, I want to learn giant, I'm going to make a point of spending time, like, actually learning giant with Tony's character. Like, we're going to set aside time. We could be doing other stuff and learn this language. She learned it, so she was relatively fluent. Yeah. That's fair. She learned enough that she could kind of, it's it's the idea of you can get by in Basic I was going to say simple conversation, but that is all of giant language. And she so. didn't learn to read or write it. <laughs> yeah, it just was the just speaking part. In- interestingly, I think writing presents a, um, an awkward moment for language rules because so many like, there are several languages that they say the written components and even sometimes the speaking components are derivative 
of other mm-hmm. languages. For example, I believe, I'm not sure about Orcish, but I know all of uh, Goblin is Dwarven runes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but their language. So. Yeah, I guess you're saying, well, if you're looking at some Goblin script, but you speak Dwarvish. Yeah, it's like, or it's as, familiar. Or dwarvish, yeah. But it's like taking the alphabet and turning it upside down. Maybe. I don't know. That's the thing. There's no good su- rule support for languages, much like the rest of things that are not murder. Or, yeah. as Rachel was saying, you just get comprehend languages and the whole thing's moved. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Magic initiate. Great. Um, <laughs> you know, No longer a problem. Forget all languages. Yeah. Wow. Like I said, I got around that problem in my campaign by making sure that my fallen empire, because there's always one, I wanted to run a traditional D&D campaign, my fallen empire went really, really hard on repatriating everyone across the entire continent. They just up up and uh, relocated families and made sure all the races mixed. And I should say, I like the new Pathfinder term, ancestries, instead of races. <laughs> Sidebar, I think that's... Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great. Finally. We hate, we, we hate races. Yes. We hate it so much. Finally yeah. a good term, because it's so awkward to talk about species. Um Ancestries uh, yeah. is great. So people of all manner of ancestries, they clodged together and said, you are now part of the empire. You are not part of what you were before. And also, here is how to speak the, you know, our language, which I don't even have a name for it anymore. I Latin. guess it would be, it's not Latin. You, you're, descri- you're describing. But it became yeah. common mm-hmm. because it was the common yes. tongue of the empire. And they made everyone learn it. And that's why common exists. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So, so boom. I've solved that problem. Most people on the <laughs> continent will speak common. And also, you solve the problem of dwarves speaking Scottish by going, or all being Scottish by saying that's just what dwarven sounds like if you learn English, or common as a second language. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I was, I was looking up really quickly. Of all of the standard languages, uh, dwarvish takes up six different uh, creature languages in script. That's in Dwarvish, in Giants, Gnomish, Goblin, and Orcish. Wow. I was are all Dwarven script. Because so you're saying, like, they put Dwarvish, stuff to stone. <laughs> it's like the Greek of the languages, like, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're they they be a are the Rosetta Stone, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also Primordial is Dwarvish script. What? What? <laughs> no, Dwarven Spit is primordial take. script. <laughs> That's what you're saying. What you're saying what does it is, actually I, say in the rules? Study? I am so I'm looking at page 123 in the player's guide. It has standard languages, which it breaks down for the language, the typical speakers, and then the script. Common is humans and common. Uh, it's also the script for halflings, whereas Elvish has uh, Elvish and Sylvan and Undercommon. Okay. The only other type of script is infernal and infernal, celestial, and draconic. And then everything else. Otherwise, is it's all dwarven. <laughs> okay, it's but, so weird. But primordial came before <laughs> no. dwarven. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> don't overthink it. No, <laughs> no, no. Wait. The primordials never needed to write anything. It was only right. after the dwarves were created and began to put things to stone that the primordials found use for passing their messages on to dwarves. And adopted their language. I have DM'd my way out of this logical inconsistency. I can move on with my life. You don't have to keep going around and around a circle on it. That would have kept me up tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I am happy. We didn't talk about the price for all the various different tools and everything. But I think the main question is, is there any value as a player character to just buy up all of the tools if you have the cash? As written? Yeah. 
Because then you can oh, well, at least as, have it. I should say, as written, yes, because money is meaningless. You have so right. much of it. Yeah, yep. just do it. So you might as but, well buy yourself some leather workers tools just in case. Yes, if your DM cares about encumbrance or you, he's the kind of guy that goes, where are you keeping all those glass vials? Yeah. Then no, because it will never matter. Uh, is- disagree, actually. I would say that <gasps> if you are in enough scratch that you can afford every single tool on the list. Buy a hireling? Buy a hireling. Buy yeah. two hirelings. Buy, right. buy those buy two. Yeah. Buy, buy two hirelings that have as many tool proficiencies as possible. Have them hang out in the back. Repair your repair your gear. Get a little like no. He's automatically gonna have tinker tools and just have him like put pots and pans on all of your armor and you're done. So you want like, to subcontract out all of that side? Oh of yeah, the great. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, work yeah, yeah. Overseas. Why Good am job. I? Why am I a powerful PC who's mostly focused on murdering people <laughs> going to waste a valuable feat on? skilled when i can simply pay 10 silver or hold on he's looking up how much it actually costs to hire a hireling <laughs> oh you're you, oh, you was, are correct it depends it is it earlier. is it really 10 silver i don't know i'm finding out i'm finding out man but expenses here we go it? um it skilled is two gold per day untrained is two silver per day oh, that's okay. just for any basically yeah the hireling okay so two gold a day for a hireling come on that's like a easy. jewel easy not so you're even. saying you get your potter you have all the pots you need. No, 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 no. You get you get the poly, you get the polyglot of tool proficiencies. You get you you get like the guy who did nothing but hang out at the YMCA and take guy. every one of their courses. He has like he has like one level in Weaver, one level in Potter, one level in Smith. Just like he is useless in nothing, but like just Slightly crafting and everything. Yes, exactly. So you mean basically, the character I play in like any sort of PC RPG, like any sort of game, like I always like I want to do a bit of everything, and then yeah. my character sucks in general because I did everything. Overall, that's anyone remember, anyone remember that Skyrim comic while you were crafting the Draugr were training. Yep, <laughs> 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 that, that's definitely me as a as a player. I'm like, let me go around and oh, let me make a home. That's a good use of my time as the Dragonborn. Yeah. Shout out yes. to the 135 dollars I spent on Matt Colville's Strongholds and Followers Kickstarter just so that I could actually support Michael's fantasy of hiring all of the people to do my things for me. <laughs> uh, yes, do my bidding. <laughs> so use tools, sort of- be flexible. Ignore what's written. Wait, this is rules as written. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say read Xanathar's Guide for the tool proficiencies. Yes. yes. Xanathar's Guide is huge. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so worth good. it, though. Like, so good. It's a good. It's, I we meant huge as, like a, as a positive. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's been so nice. I'm finally getting through it and reading all of like the, the tips and everything on it. Like, I've loved it. And the encounter building is, makes sense. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd almost say read the Xanathar's Guide if you haven't read the rule books before you read the DMG in a lot of senses. It'll yeah, you. yeah. And then read it again after and just assume Xanathar's Guide is where they played the game for a few years and went, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what works. Got it. Yeah. So I think overall we're all of the same mind that read what what's written. Use it to guide you, and then do what do you what want to be. Do what needs to be done. <laughs> do what's right by the story. Be flexible, and always remember: keep your pot serviceable. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the last thing we have to do as part of the actual episode recording is to thank you both for joining us. Yes, yes thank you guys. And we're looking forward to hearing your podcast when it comes out. 
Thanks. It was a pleasure to be here and just goof off talking about rules. Yeah, glad, uh, you know, you let us come on and let our nerd flag fly. So make sure to check out on Podbean the Bookworms podcast. And that's Bookworms, B-O-O-K-W-Y-R-M-S. In the meantime, though, here's the trailer for the Bookworms podcast. Hey there, everybody. My name is Giuseppe. And I'm Mike. And we're here to tell you about our new show launching in May. The Bookworms Bookworms Podcast. Podcast. We're two longtime game masters, and we've been taking turns running D&D 5th Edition. It's a blast, but no game is perfect. Each time we start up a game, we end up reaching into other systems to put together the exact experience we're looking for. This podcast is about helping you do the same thing. Each week, we'll do the legwork and talk about how different systems do their thing. We've got a veritable horde of RPGs between us to draw from, and each episode we'll be looking to grant you inspiration from some of the best minds in gaming. We don't just stop at mechanics, though. We'll also talk about different genres and how you can fit them into your game. And if you've been looking for some new magic items to shake up your plot or award your players, you can join us as we explore treasure troves from a wide variety of media. We'll also give you characters you can use on either side of the table. Sometimes it'll tie into the topic of the week. Other times it'll tie into a cool book we read. Here's a brief list of things that we think can be immediately improved with a bi-weekly dose of bookworms. Chases. Political intrigue. Investigations. City management. Gardening. Illegal pit fighting. Heists. Time travel. Gambling. Wizard poker. Pottery. And And so so much much more. more. You can subscribe to us anywhere you would normally get your podcasts from. We're the bookworms. And we'll be seeing you soon.